Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC football summer workouts are in full swing. So we've got Dan Weber, who's been out at every workout. We're going to talk to him about what's been going on at USC, how the players look, answer your questions on this USC football team. Lots been going on, on around the program, so we want to get to all that. If you have any questions for us, send us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Simple email address. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call 641-715-3900 extension 816-646 and leave a voicemail there or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page and you leave a voicemail right from your computer or device. And of course, if you want to subscribe, the best way to get it is on iTunes, itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. That's our URL. You can leave feedback, five-star rating. And of course, like I said, subscribe to the show. Get all the Peristyle podcast information we've done. This will be our second show of the week. We did one with Harvey Hyde on Sunday. We got Dan Weber today. I'll try to do Gerard Martinez as well. And then next week, I will be out of the country, so we won't have any podcast uh, for that week. So we'll try to get three in this week to give you tide you guys over a little bit till uh, we're gone, and then we come back. July will be in full swing. The last month of summer workouts heading into, of course. Fall camp, a lot of storylines going to be going on with that, with uh, Clay Helton and, and company trying to get ready for the big opener against Alabama. All right, well, let's bring in our, our good friend, Dan Weber. What's up, Dan? How you doing? Hey, uh, it's good. I'm uh, doing good. And uh, I think now we've gotten a, a couple of weeks in in the summer. we got a real feel, I think, for things now. I think uh, much more of a, a sense at this point after uh, after the first, uh, you know, four workouts that uh, this where things are yeah i think we do and uh you know we haven't so so people know we don't we're not allowed to talk to players yet but we got to see them out there very well attended summer workouts so we'll give you kind of our thoughts and observations just wanted to thank uh our sponsor for the peristyle podcast mac weldon's back as a sponsor so uh awesome underwear uh awesome clothes for men so check it out MacWeldon.com. they actually have a special if you want to order the, you can use the promo code Peristyle, P-E-R-I-S-T-Y-L-E, and get 20% off. That's on Mac Weldon, uh, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Uh, check it out. So that, I've been trying out their stuff and it's great. It's funny. I, I think I'm, I went to the gym this morning, Dan, and uh, I use my whack Mac Weldon, uh, boxer briefs, which I love, but I find myself like, I don't even want to go to the gym unless they're clean. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's like, so I'm kind of like, well, I need to get some more because otherwise I'm not going to go to the gym as much. I already don't go enough, but I'm like, unless that, that, like, I'm totally addicted now to wearing, like, it's very comfortable and it fits you well. And, and sometimes I wear other boxers and stuff there, the gym, it just doesn't work well. So I, I need to get some more of it because uh, otherwise I'm not going to go to the gym as much. Sounds good. That's <laughs> good thinking. We're going to have to try it out. And uh, there's, uh, there's some hoodies I want to try out too. So we can go to MacWeldon.com. And Dan, look at the site. I'll, I'll get you something when I make my order too. So if there's anything you want on there, mm-hmm. but go to MacWeldon.com, 20% off with the code, uh, Peristyle. So anything you need, Dan, just good. let me know. I'll hook you up. I, I've heard nothing but good things about Mac Weldon. So yeah. I'm absolutely going to check it out. 
they like to say, they told me this, like, it's going to be better than whatever you're wearing right now. And definitely, uh, I, I can attest, I can, uh, be a testimonial for that. It's definitely a test of that. It's, uh, it's been great stuff. All right. So I want to talk some summer workouts, Dan. We got another, uh, there've been four of them so far. Uh, I think probably about 75 guys at each one. Uh, of the workout so far. Uh, so it's a lot. I mean, I think it's different than what we've seen in the past. Seems very well organized. They have, you know, the, the coaches, uh, out there doing conditioning stuff around six, six fifteen or so in the morning. And, you know, hour, 15 minutes later or whatever, they start just, you know, the coaches leave, the strength coaches leave. And, uh, you know, Max Brown and company, they're all out there throwing the football. They kind of split up into positions for a while. They'll do throwing lines. They'll do seven on seven. They'll do 11 on 11. But it seems like it's pretty well structured and a lot of people are out there. Yeah, no, they, uh, I think they, uh, they fluctuate and, and some of it depends on, uh, what their class schedule is or what else is going on or anybody's, uh, you know, sick or, you know, banged up a little bit or whatever. But it's basically 65 to 75. And, uh, that's more than, than we've ever had and way more. Uh, uh, 11 on 11 work. The majority of the work is 11 on 11. Uh, you know, the only, uh, you know, you would see, you know, used to be you, we would see in the summer one on one stuff and, and maybe guys put a little too much pressure. That's where, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, uh, Stephen Mitchell tore his knee up and, and we, we saw, we would see injuries where guys maybe were just pushing it a little too much. Now they're doing it almost all in the context of full teamwork. And, and I think that's the best way, both sides of the ball, you know, to learn what you're, what you're trying to do and uh, to get the timing down. And I know we've been told that by the end of the summer, they'll have run everything they've got in the, in the playbook four times. So I think that's, uh, they just look more up to speed than, uh, you know, than we have, uh, seen in previous summers they just seem like they're it's more game type stuff and it more up to speed and you see the defense and that's really good when you got a first year you know coach or clancy coming back after a couple of years and and with a a completely different approach on defense to see them you know coordinating the defense on every play and who's supposed to be where and talking to one another and, you know, with the older guys talking to the freshmen and, and getting the incoming freshmen in right away. So there's just a lot of, you know, a lot happening with a lot of people and, uh, you know, the kind of thing that you say, this is how you ought to do it. Yeah, it's uh, I've been really impressed. Thought they've been doing a good job with it. And, will you know, this week should be very interesting. So today's Monday. As of Tuesday morning, there should be a lot more of the new – incoming freshmen that we get to see now there was you know what seven or whatever guys that were early enrollees we got to see in the spring uh we've seen jack jones the five-star cornerback from long beach poly a couple of bishop of Mott wide receivers uh tyler vaughns and trayvon sydney and we've seen uh the offensive lineman frank martin so those guys have been out there fairly consistently the first two weeks uh now we're going to see a bunch more guys and, and some of them were on campus uh this weekend for the usc skills camp so we put some photos and stuff up uh, shotgun and Gerard were down there. And I know Dan, you went down there too. We can c- kind of talk about that, but we got to see some of those, uh, fresh new freshmen there. So we should see more of these new freshmen come Tuesday morning's workout. Yeah, I think so. Uh, last year, I know they missed a day because of orientation stuff, 
whether that you know they can get all of that done on Monday, uh, I'm not absolutely certain. And uh, you know, some of it has to be coordinated with the rest of the summer session, as opposed to just the athletic part of it. So whether we'll see them tomorrow or not, whether that you know by going that early in the morning, uh, that may mean that they can do all the orientation and you know class stuff as well as uh, be out there uh, for the. Uh, uh, you know, player run practices, but, uh, did get to see, uh, the one guy that was real interesting, uh, Connor Murphy came over to the, uh, skills camp and he's, uh, he's a legit six, seven and, and everybody keeps saying, oh no, he's really, uh, he put on 30 pounds or he put on a whole lot of weight, uh, this summer. And, uh, all I can say is he's really a lean, lean looking ass. He's not like an athlete. We've seen at USC before, and if he is, you know, as some people say, oh, he's, he's 270, 275. If he is, he looks to me like he'll play comfortably very close to, you know, 290, 295 when he fills out. He's a real kind of raw-boned uh, and every bit of the 6'7". So it'd be interesting to see where, you know, where he ends up playing with the, you know, with the kind of size and, and and just the, uh, the kind of athlete we haven't seen before uh, at USC, or just not not exactly that kind of uh, you know frame and uh, and all that. So I'm, I'm kind of really interested in him. Uh, I guess uh, uh, he would be the one that just jumps out at you to say, okay, now we didn't see. Uh, um, let's see, the Price kid wasn't in yet, or we hadn't seen him. Um, uh, Pai Young there, uh, Jamel Cook, I guess, with his, uh, foot in a cast, unfortunately, uh, with the fractured foot. But yeah, it'll be fun to see those guys. Uh, I think that's one of the best things about summer is getting to see them in person and getting to see what they look like. I know this, for example, uh, Trayvon Sidney, uh, uh, T. Martin was talking about him and how he had really encouraged him. That he real he needed to be bigger, stronger, and and he's put on 15 pounds, and he's been impressive. I think much more so than maybe in high school this summer. And uh, I think T says a lot of that is he really is taken seriously, getting bigger and stronger. So that's one of the things you get to see with the new guys is where are they compared to where they were in high school, and and when you see them, you know, in person, how does that, you know compare to what you've seen on video and how does it compare with the other guys that are out on the field so uh this will be a good week yeah i wanted to check you know because you did get to go down to the skills camp um what was it what did you what did you think of it and uh you know any 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 kind of observations from checking that out i know i was interested i i think there were more there were more uh you know players there than maybe people had expected you know with uh um say Quentin Lake uh, getting an offer and uh, the Navarrete kid, uh, an eighth grader, uh, getting an offer. Uh, and, uh, and and you do realize that it ran into, you know, uh, Jordan Campbell, who is, you know, one of the all-time characters who's ever come through the USC program, who's now a uh, uh, linebacker's coach at Corona Centennial. And he said, how are you going to do this year? And he said, ah, we're going to win the state. And no doubt. You know, <laughs> and they do have a lot of players. He said, Oh, see this kid over here. He's six, two and 200 and whatever pounds. And he said, you know, he's, 
he's a freshman and he can, you know, and, and just one kid after another. And, uh, and, and so that was kind of fun to, to, to see that kind of, especially the young, that really young talent. Uh, and it's always fun to see 300 kids out there in USC t-shirts. And it's neat to see, uh, somebody like Carnell, uh, there, you know, the, you know, great Steelers, uh, safety and UCLA guy. And now the Steelers, um, uh, secondary coach there watching his son. And, uh, it's just, it's kind of, you know, and, and getting to see the USC coaches were back in town after like Tommy Robinson said, five weeks recruiting after spring ball and then two more weeks camping, you know, basically, the whole world is, you know, is out at, at all the satellite camps now. So he was, uh, Tommy was really happy to be back after pretty much, uh, being gone for seven weeks. And, uh, so, so seeing the whole staff almost entirely together, uh, Saturday was kind of neat. Um, all right. Well, we got some questions about what the house summer workouts are going and things like that. Uh, Tarek wrote in. And wants to know uh, how have Michael Pittman and John Houston looked this summer. I think John Houston's uh, the time off has really benefited him. I think it was quick to come back in the spring, and he was just getting the feel of it. And now we're getting to see him, uh, uh, you know, being much more demonstrative. Again, uh, the defensive guys don't quite get the same chance without you know the pads to show what they can do as the offensive guys do. But those linebackers do get to fly around. I think he's, 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 you know, he's 215 pounds, but he's an athlete. I mean, he's a, you know, he's one of these guys that can, you know, run to the ball and, and cover and do a lot of things. And it'd be interesting to see where he ends up. But I think he just looks like a different player from, from what he did in the spring where he was still kind of coming back from, from the, you know, some of those, uh, micro fractures in his back, uh, uh, and Pittman doesn't look like a freshman. He's a, uh, he's a, uh, a strong, developed, uh, tough kid and, uh, with, with a lot of speed and a lot of confidence. And that's one of the things you want to see with a kid his size is can he run? Can he really run and separate and do some things? And he can. Uh, uh I, I've been real impressed again. Doesn't look like a freshman. Looks like he belongs out there. Looks like, you know, not intimidated. Nothing, nothing's too big a deal. And, um, nice job, uh, you know, for, for him getting in here and, and just look like he's ready to play. He, uh, he's just a, you know, a mature looking, um, and, and doesn't look like he needs to do a lot to develop himself physically. Uh, in order to be able to play, you know, the top level of college football. He's, uh, looks like he's, he's very close to being there. Was there anyone else, Dan, that you saw that, that kind of stood out? Just players that. Well, know. we talked about Jack Jones and he just got, you know, the world of skill. I mean, he, he's a little bigger than I think I realized having not seen him in person in high school and his acceleration and body control is, is awfully good. Uh, uh, when you've got, you know, Adoree Jackson already, and then you have, you know, Jack Jones, uh, you've got two really premier athletes, uh, and he looks like he's, uh, somebody that, that learns and pays attention and, uh, is fearless. I mean, he, and he's got that catch up speed. 
where uh, I think both ways he can close. If they throw the ball in front of him, he can close really quickly. And if they try to throw it over, he can uh, he can close there as well. So this is a kid that uh, I think people will enjoy watching him uh, in terms of where what all do they ask him to do. But yeah, I think he's uh, he real uh, real impressive, uh, you know, from what we've seen. And uh, I know you know T Martin is is happy with uh, both the Ahmad kids and. Uh, uh, I think Tyler Vaughn catches, Vaughn's catches the ball as well as easily as anybody we've seen. He's got those kind of baseball soft hands, like a, a you know, baseball shortstop. Uh, for returnees, Nico Fowler just looks so at home at center. Uh, I liked it the other day that Toa got his knee brace on and he and Nico stayed late to do some, uh, snapping. Uh, for the quarterbacks, uh, not shotgun for the quarterbacks under, under center. Uh, but Nico certainly looks like he's found a, you know, home there. The fact that, you know, Chris Brown looks like he's, uh, you know, kind of found a spot for himself on the, you know, starting offensive line at this point. I mean, when they run the ones, he's there and, um, uh, with Vianney and, and Damian and Jordan Simmons are, are with the twos. Um, it looks like uh, Chad Wheeler, for example, has definitely held his weight. I mean, he, you know, I think they were had, had him listed 280 in the spring guide. He's probably uh, easily 310 now. And he looks, you know, again, a kid with a 6'7 frame. He certainly looks like he can, you know, hold that weight. Um, and Zach on the other side, Banner, looks like um, – I think he's definitely, he keeps coming down. Now, he, he was 360, um, and I think he's below that. Whether he can get, I know he keeps saying he wants to get down under 330. I don't even know if he has to get down under 330, but uh, uh, he's uh, very uh, you know, confident that that's the direction he's moving in. So... Uh, I think that's uh, the other things you look at is, you know, where are each of these guys? I think Ronald Jones put on 10 pounds to 195, but you don't notice it. I mean, he, he looks, he looks quicker. Um, so, uh, you know, at 195, he doesn't, you know, look all that much bigger than 185, but I think 195 is a really good weight for him. Uh, I mean, he ran hard last year, but, uh, um, so I guess for, Kind of the the little things you look for in in in, in summer uh, in summer workouts. All right, uh, we got a question from Eric in Duck Country. He says it seems like you and Dan have commented on the physical change of many of the players. Is Coach Ivan Lewis doing something different? Does Helton and company have a different plan than Sark and Kiffin had? Thanks for helping us through the doldrums of baseball and basketball season. No more basketball season now. Uh, Eric in Duck Country. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, I think one thing Ivan does is, is everything is geared. They, they work with them and, you know, in the strength work, uh, gearing them to the, the strength and the skill sets they need for their position. So I think that, you know, it's a little bit different this year, uh, because they're going to do some things. I mean, it's an interesting thing. I think when you look at the USC offense, you know, they're going to do some things different, but there's a lot of continuity. Uh, and, we see that because they look like they're familiar with what they're doing, but what they're doing is, is, is different, uh, the way they're doing it. So 
So I don't think it's been a been a big change. I think more the change is the fact that you know they started the year with a nutritionist for the first time, and we understand he went back to the Eagles, but then we understand they've hired somebody to replace him. But I do think they're you know a specific you know, football nutritionist, and I think you know that has has certainly helped. Uh, that you know the guys you want to lose weight uh, have have seemed to lose weight, and guys that you want to pick up weight. Uh, have, have picked up weight, so so I think I think they're moving in the right direction. Whether they're ever going to have, you know, maybe the to the extent that you know Florida and Notre Dame and Michigan, you know, do it, uh, I don't know about that. But uh, they're doing it more than they've done it in the past in terms of all the having all the extra, you know, things that go with it. Um, you know, they're they're using the uh, you know the the telemetry. Uh, and they're going to have it both in the helmets and on their bodies so that they really do monitor, you know, how much work, how many, you know, reps they're getting, how, uh, how much output, you know, goes into a practice, how many, how much contact, you know, they're getting. And so I think they're, they're definitely, uh, you know, keeping up with, you know, kind of the cutting edge, uh, uh, you know, stuff in terms of all those, physical uh, tools that you have now to, to develop uh, players. Um, we had a question from Jamal, Dan. He says, um, he said, this question is for Dan and Ryan. Have you noticed any possible position switches from the offensive line to the defensive line? Well, I mean, we saw Chuma there for, uh, he actually lined up there, Chuma Doga, once. And then he was with the D-line, uh, another workout. But then, uh, Chad Wheeler, uh, missed, uh, and so then Schuma jumped in at, uh, at right tackle and Zach Banner went, went to left tackle. And then I guess that's the last two practices Schuma has been on the O-line. So, uh, I don't, I don't know that, uh, with the, uh, with the, you know, uh, signing of the, uh, grad student, his name, I really wish I, Tuio Kolo, uh, I yeah, can't it's... even spell it, but, uh, Stevie, we'll call him Stevie. Yeah. Uh, the 320 pound, uh, uh, graduate student from Utah. Uh, I think that takes away the necessity. Um, and he's going to come in on, on a blue shirt scholarship, but I think that takes away the necessity maybe of moving somebody over there. I don't think they wanted to move Jordan Simmons. Who was the logical candidate, but, you know, he's already done that once. And now that he's healthy and, you know, O-line has been all his life. So we'll see. Uh, my guess is there won't be one of those moves now. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm same kind of thing. And it's funny you brought that up, Dan, because we have, we had a bunch of questions about that and, uh, Jamal wanted to know about a possible blue shirt or JC defensive line prospect this summer. Of course, you know, you mentioned Steve, we'll call him Stevie T. Um, yeah. that, that, you know, so that was there. We also had, um, Stephen Poway, who enjoyed reading your article, no summer answers on the USC defensive line, but wanted to know, uh, he feels that that's the biggest lack of depth at the defensive line was the biggest problem that you could get plowed by the farm, scalped by the Utes rolled by the tide without any help there, any surprises. And then obviously USC did get a surprise with that grad transfer. And then Neil and Manila, 
Um, he said, how do you think Stevie T improves the defensive line? Will he start? And what position will he play in the 5-2? And then who are the oh, – I'm sorry, yeah. And what position would he play in the 5-2? That's from our buddy Neil in Manila. He certainly looks like a nose. And uh, uh, I don't see him starting. I just think he gives you uh, – you know, he's almost 25, and he gives you that kind of veteran, been there, done that. He's played at a – you know – on a, a defensive line that's really at the top level at, at Utah. I mean, they, every year they have a, you know, really, really good defensive line. They do a great job beating the count and they just have, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, tradition and techniques and what have you that I, I don't think it can hurt you, uh, you know, to, to bring in somebody like that. Uh, I do think, you know, USC's got some real talent. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Rasheem Green and Noah Jefferson and Malik Thornton, I think they can play. I don't, I don't think there's any question. I think the, uh, Joshua too, uh, I think, uh, you know, out of Long Beach, uh, uh, community college, I think he can play. Um, and then we saw Connor Murphy we talked about him. I'm, I'll be really interested in seeing, you know, can a freshman, uh, you know, line up and, you know, find a position and, and what have you. But, but I don't, I don't think they're at the point where they need to, you know, start Stevie. I, I think they're, he'll, I just think he'll, the big problem everybody has talked about is, uh, a defensive line that's thin and without a lot of experience. Well, he, he handles both of those. He's, you know, he makes you much less thin, uh, literally. Uh, at 320 pounds and he, uh, has got that experience. So, so I think, you know, from those, you know, standpoints, I don't think he has to start to have a really positive impact on this football team. All right. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see Dan and, and, you know, talking to shotgun did a piece on uscfootball.com about him, got to talk to the, the publisher for the Utah scout site. And he was listed like really as like a third string nose guard or defensive tackle or whatever, but played as many snaps as the rest of the guys. So it was just more of the kind of great defensive line rotation. I think USC is probably going to, you know, rely on him a little bit more, lean on him a little bit more. They're going to need him to be that big body inside to, to stop the run and, and try to make some plays, disrupt some things. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see stepping right in. I mean, I, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be, if not the starter, then in that rotation where he's playing as many reps as anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got to hope that, uh, uh, the guys that are coming back, Malik Thornton, uh, and Noah Jefferson or Rasheem Green, you've got to hope that those three are battling, you know, or if, you know, when they play the three down linemen, that those are the three, uh, and that he's ready to, you know, come in, uh, at nose, uh, you know, with the next group. But, uh, but, but I'd be, uh, I would be a little disappointed if, if you know, and a lot of the games are only going to play two down linemen. They're going to play the nickel. And, uh, and so they don't always need, need three rotating in there. So that, that helps your rotation. Um, so, and I do think they want to rotate. I think they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to really ask those guys in that one gap to just penetrate and play all out and get across the line of scrimmage, play on the other side of the ball and, uh, keeping them as fresh as possible. Is, really going to be you know important and so um uh he allows you to do that i think uh, a lot and uh, it won't be guys just playing that two gap where they're 
hanging on the line of scrimmage and getting double teamed by the likes of Alabama and, and Stanford. Uh, I think, you know, the, the idea will be, you know, get off on the snap and, and get through and be disruptive. And, uh, you know, we'll see if, uh, if he fits that mold. Just the fact that he's coming out of Utah, uh, and they've been so good coming off the snap. I mean, that's where they, you know, how they, they get that done year after year after year, but nobody, uh, you know, does it like, uh, like Utah. So that just having that alone is a real plus, I think, with him. All right. Uh, let's move on. Our Tark wrote in again. He wants to know, he said, how should Clay Helton build a championship mentality with this team, seeing that if they don't win the Pac-12 this year, it would be a step backwards? Well, uh, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it would be right. I mean, we, we, we agree. That would be kind of a step backward. I mean, I don't think you could think, you know, I just think you go at it with the attitude that is that I always liked the way Pete's teams were is that they didn't focus on all the other stuff. It was basically, we're going to win the uh, Pac-12 and go to the Rose Bowl. And, and you just handle what you can handle. And, uh, so with, with this team, you basically, uh, you know, you start with Stanford and you say, you know, you're going to win the Pac-12. You got to beat Stanford and, and beat Stanford on the road. And you beat Stanford on the road, you put everybody else in the hole, I think a little bit, uh, you know, and if you beat Stanford on the road in game one and you beat, uh, six days later, you beat Utah on the road in game two, you know, you've really taken a, a couple of giant steps to winning the Pac-12. And I just think that's, that's how you do it. You got to be ready to go, you know, at the start of the year and you got to show up every game. You got to play really good defense so that people, uh, it's, it's very difficult for people to, you know, to get away from you. You can't, for example, let Christian McCaffrey have a 10 yard head start on every play that, you know, that they run with him or, you know, you don't pay any attention to him when they line him up as a flanker and think, yeah, I wonder why he's out there. Yeah. Gee, you think they might throw it to him? All that kind of stuff. They've got to get past you know, what happened last year. That was just, you know, a total embarrassment. But if they could do that where they've got a defense that really keeps them in every game, uh, and you run the ball and you really, you know, in the Pac-12, I think if you can really run the football as both Stanford and Oregon have proved in recent years, you're in good shape and they've got to get back to being able to run, line up and run the ball on people. And if they do those two things, you know, to me, that's the thing you focus on, the ability to do things like that, and you let the championship kind of tradition take care of itself. That'll be the result. That'll be at the end of the line. I don't think you go in thinking uh, about that to begin with. You think about doing what you got to do, uh, and, and you get it done in August practice, you get it done in the weight room, then you come out and you do it on the field, and then uh, and then you let the championship then come along as a result of that. All right, um, we got a couple more. Both are kind of interesting. So let's go. We'll go with Abe. He says, uh, "Let me say how much I enjoy your podcast." Before I begin, nothing compares with them. Having said that, I fully agree with Dan Weber's recent comments about the flaws with the proposed Coliseum redesign to produce a smaller seating capacity of slightly over 77,000 seats. First of all, 
I strongly feel that the Coliseum does not need quote unquote luxury boxes at all. How many college stadiums, uh, have these boxes in the first place? Uh, if this is being done just to please the Rams, forget it because the Rams will only be in the Coliseum for a couple of years. Uh, remember this is a college stadium, not a pro stadium, and that the smaller seating capacity will likely, uh, affect the Trojan fan base negatively, uh, with higher ticket prices as a result. Fan loyalty for tens of thousands of middle class and working class people can sour or even destroy the strong affiliation of uh, the public for USC football, especially in this uh, tenacious economy. Uh, is it truly worth it for a few hundred new quote unquote luxury boxes to be built compared with losing 15,000 seats for the average fan? Finally, the huge top heavy design of the proposed changes is both lopsided and ugly. This is definitely not a return uh, to the original appearance of the Coliseum as advertised. Sincerely, Abe Gruber, alumnus. Hey, Abe, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think the design flaws, I mean, I think they kind of fell in love with Levi's Stadium, which unfortunately I really, you know, I, I kind of hate the design because they've got essentially one side of the stadium is just a building, you know, private boxes eight or nine stories high. I don't like that at all. It, it, it's kind of a, you know, a, a place where the sound, there is, you know, there's not much sound. And uh, it kind of makes it look like a lopsided place. Uh, I like the rest of the seats at Levi's, but uh, but I think they, they kind of fell in love with that idea. And I think USC does need private boxes. I think they need the financing going for the next, you know, 15, 20 years to enable them to do the updates to the Coliseum. Now, I know you could make the case that, hey, USC's been playing there for almost 100 years and maybe needed to do more work. And, you know, the, you know, the whole problem is it wasn't USC's Coliseum. And the Coliseum Commission was doing God knows what with, uh, you know, with their responsibilities to the Coliseum. But it's USC's responsibility now. Uh, I don't know that, you know, that I wouldn't do the project in two phases. One, update the stadium, do all the, replace the seats, uh, widen the aisles, uh, you know, uh, take care of all the concrete issues in the restrooms and the, and the concession stands and all that. And then secondly, come up with a really, uh, uh, you know, well-accepted redesign that puts the uh, uh, private boxes in places that, doesn't take away from uh, that it doesn't take away from the you know the Coliseum look and feel and doesn't take away that many seats so you don't have that many side, good sideline seats at the Coliseum to begin with so I just think a design that you know just itself for the private boxes takes away 10,000 seats and substitutes 2,500 uh, you know in the private boxes that's just a bad idea you can't do that and uh, I think they need it. They need. They've got enough time. I think they need to start over again. I do think, though, uh, they do need the private boxes. They do need that kind of that uh, uh, financial stream over the next couple of decades to 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 help pay for you know what's going on here. But I don't think they can. I don't think they can drop the capacity to under. I you know for me, eighty five thousand would have been the mem- minimum. Uh, you could take out eight thousand seats, but that would be the minimum I think you could drop it to. Um, 77.5 is just uh, too small. I know there are people who say, well, that'll create demand or whatever. 
And I know that's the NFL philosophy, uh, but I don't think it should be USC's philosophy. And, and to be honest, none of this is going to happen while the Rams are there. Uh, you know, the Rams, this isn't going to be completed in, until the Rams have, have left the building anyway. So, uh, um, so I don't think the Rams should factor in at all as far as anybody planning. And I don't know that they, they actually do. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, they're not even beginning this renovation until 2017. Uh, I mean, by the time it's going to be done, it's like 2000. I think the Rams will be gone by the time everything's done. So I, I don't think anything, this is anything for the Rams at all. No. It, so we got the next two seasons, 16 and 17, and they don't start construction until after the 17th season. But that's not, you know, the major work. So they're basically the Rams three seasons. As long as the Rams get their stadium built in three years, uh, the Rams are, are a non-factor as far as, uh, the new stadium. Yeah. Or the new design. All right. Well, we got one more says, uh, the popular talk surrounding college football this week is realignment, uh, which seems to come up every off season. I've seen some talk of it on the P, but would like your opinions. It seems that the Pac-12 never really had USC's back. One would think being a university such as USC with our high standing in both academics and sports, we would be treated with a little more respect by our own conference. Do you think it would be wise for USC to start looking to the future without the Pac-12 uh, to finally do what's best for the university instead of playing second fiddle to the rest of the conference that really doesn't seem to appreciate what USC brings to the table? That's from Jeff. Yeah, Jeff, I think it would be very smart to do that even if USC had been you know, treated well. <laughs> and, uh, I just think at this point in time, you got to take a, you know, look out for yourself. And, uh, you know, we know USC signed over all of its TV rights for 12 years through 2024, 25. Whether that's, uh, you know, reworkable or not, whether USC could take part of the conference with it and, and, and go somewhere else. Uh, but, uh, when you see what's happening that, you know, the Pac-12, I think, is, you know, they're, they're figuring on basically $25 million per school uh, each year now from the TV contract and uh, uh, Pac-12 network. And when you see that uh, this last year, the Big 12, with just 10 teams, no TV network, no uh, championship game until next year, uh, and a conference that's located in places like Waco, Texas, Stillwater, Oklahoma, Ames, Iowa, Lawrence and Manhattan, Kansas, uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, is paying its teams more than $30 million a year from their TV contracts that have gone up 30% in the last year. Or when you see that what the Big Ten did in, uh, in negotiating only for six years at a time, so they're new you know, they, they negotiated after the Pac-12 and they're in their now second negotiation and they're going to get a ton more money than the Pac-12. And I'm thinking USC might want to say, you know, are we better off being affiliated? And you'd have to take California schools probably with you and, and or the Arizona schools or whatever. Uh, but would they be better off being affiliated with Oklahoma and Texas, for example, than Oregon State and Washington State. Uh, I just think 
they ought to be looking at that. I think it ought to be one of the first things that Lynn Swan does as the athletic director is look around and, and, see, and see what's available, what's out there, what could we do. Um, I mean, I would think, you know, if the, uh, the Big 12, you know, decided against expansion this year, but if somebody said to the Big 12, gee, you guys, would, would you want to go into Los Angeles? Uh, what do you think the answer would be for the, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, what have you? So, uh, I think absolutely USC should be looking around and absolutely they should be, you know, talking to every TV person they could talk to. And, uh, you know, they came close apparently would have been the best thing Larry Scott's ever done if they'd have put together that pack 16. Uh, but Oklahoma said no. Uh, and it won't be an easy fit because, you know, Texas is a great university. Uh, Oklahoma's, you know, okay. But there aren't a lot of those kinds of schools in the Big 12, for example, if you say you want to somehow figure out how they go together. Uh, because you're basically, you're dealing with just in California alone, you have four top 25 universities. Uh, and Cal and Stanford and USC and UCLA. Washington is also a very good school. The Pac-12, you know, has more great academic institutions than, than anybody, uh, in terms of, you know, the conferences nationally. So for some of the presidents, that might be a hard, you know, hard, uh, you know, thing to swallow if you said we're gonna, and I think it was the last time. I, I think they weren't sure about Oklahoma State and maybe Texas Tech if you had to bring in another Texas school. Um, but I just think there it becomes a, a time where over the years, if this trend keeps going, the Pac-12 schools are going to be so far behind the SEC and the Big Ten and the Big 12 that they're never going to catch up. And USC, I think, needs to be out in the forefront of of figuring out What's the best thing to do? What's the next best thing to do? And how do we do it? And, and, and without, you know, saying, gosh, we really owe something to the Pac-12. I think the Pac-12, unlike the SEC, unlike the Big Ten, did not ever have USC's back. They basically said, oh, good, we're going to get a chance to raid some of those kids in the Los Angeles area because USC, you know, going to lose some scholarships or they won't be able to go to bowl games. And you don't see that in the other conferences. And uh, I think USC maybe ought to figure out a way to hold the Pac-12 feet to, their, to the fire. Because if USC talks about leaving the Pac-12 and takes a few of the California schools with it, the Pac-12 becomes the Mountain West. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's uh, something that that they want. So I think that would get, you know, if you think, well, they're not paying attention to us, they don't have our back. You start taking talking to them about, you know, we don't know if this is the best thing for us in the long run. Uh, that will get their attention. Uh, you know, and maybe you do things like I think I'd like to see the USC uh, push hard and say, look, the television capital, the media capital of the world is Los Angeles. You could have located the Pac-12 networks in Los Angeles. You chose to spend all kinds of money and put them in the Embarcadero in San Francisco. We would like you to rethink that and bring it to, Pac- to, to LA where, where you've got all the talent 
You've got way more. I mean, the NFL Network has come here. Fox Sports is here. ESPN keeps adding to their L.A. location. Uh, I think the Pac-12, you know, I think USC, I'd like to see them start putting pressure on the Pac-12 to uh, uh, kind of change the way they're thinking about things and and take USC into consideration a little bit more than they do. Yeah, I just don't see USC making a, a bold move like that. I think it would be great. Uh, look at independence. Look at joining somewhere else. I just don't see, it just doesn't, like everything we've seen from USC, I don't see them making or even like inquiring about a huge step like that. That's what they think. What you don't have to actually do it. Like, for example, you didn't have to actually sue the NCAA, but if they thought you might, you get a better result. Yes. That's the thing. They don't know what you're going to, you know, don't let them know, oh, we're absolutely not even going to think about that. Let them think you're thinking about it, and you ought to be thinking about it. Uh, the Really, the dollar differential between the Pac-12 and those other three conferences, and, and who knows, the ACC uh, isn't going to be far behind. But the Pac-12 is, over the years, is going to get, killed the way things are going financially right now. They spend way more money than anybody else. They pay way higher salaries. They, you know, have way more expensive offices and all that kind of stuff. And they bring in less money. It's like, it's nutso. And I think at least USC could say, hey, we don't want to do this anymore. You know, we're getting almost nothing out of the Pac-12 network. And we spend way more than the Big Ten and the SEC do. What's going on? You know, I mean, I, I would like to see USC at least take that point of view about questioning and questioning publicly what the heck's going on in the, you know, in the Pac-12. And uh, I think Lin Swan is going to be in a position where he can do that. He's not locked into, you know, any deals that were made in the past and that. He can just basically start questioning um, you know, what the thinking has been. And, and, and now that Max, I mean, I think, you know, that USC, one good thing, Max Nikias is now the, uh, chairman of the board of governors of the college football playoffs. You know, you can say somewhat ceremonial, but they do make the calls, the final calls on what's going to happen. And, uh, Max is in a pretty, you know, important place in terms of college football. And, uh, I think between Max and Lynn, I think they're in, they're positioned, uh, to, you know, say, we're going to take a look at some things. And we're just not sure that what, what's happening now in the Pac-12 is for the best, uh, interest of USC right now. So that's, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I do. Whether you have to do it or not, you can think about doing it. Right. And, and, investigate it you really need to do your whatever due diligence and check everything out what are the possibilities what are the dollars going to be like and what's going on here why is why is the pac-12 falling you know so far behind and and we're talking way behind we're talking not half of what the big 10 and the sec are going to be getting per school and you know over you know the next 10 years that's a lot of money yeah that's a couple of hundred, couple hundred million dollars per school. 
and uh, how how nice it would be to have a couple hundred extra million dollars if you're going to try to do something with the Coliseum. That'd be nice. Yes. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, Dan, great stuff. Uh, lots of different topics, you know, from summer football to the Coliseum to realignment, where USC stands, all that kind of stuff. But great, great work. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. We'll, we'll skip next week. We'll see you out there at workouts this week so you can see Dan's work and the ghost notes on uscfootball.com. But we'll be back in two weeks again with Dan Weber on the show. But thanks again for coming on. So enjoyed it, and I'll uh, see you bright and early tomorrow morning. All right. Sounds good, Dan. Okay. Everyone else, thanks for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Don't forget, MacWeldon.com. Go there. Check it out. Awesome underwear. Awesome clothes for men. MacWeldon.com. Use the code Peristyle. you get 20% off. All right. So thanks again for tuning in, and we will talk to you all next time. Most people know that buying or selling real estate is no small undertaking. Understanding the market value of your home, pricing, advertising, closing, and perhaps even selling personal property along the way are all examples of the real estate journey. And Michael Moline Real Estate has the experience to help make that journey an enjoyable one. Southern California real estate inventories are at historic lows, so there is no better time than now to sell your residential property. Whether you're moving into a bigger home or downsizing, personal property is often a component of the real estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at michaelmolinerealestate.com. That's Michael, M-O-L-I-N-E, realestate.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 